Welcome to Truth Transistor Radio. This is the most awesomest podcast of all time. I'm your host, Rob Hendrick. This podcast is brought to you by Proverbs 1618. Welcome to episode 38, uh, Mystery Babylon, uh, the woman that rides the beast. And uh, there's some interesting things uh, about this and some things I've discovered in the past year and over decades. Um, I think I've sort of changed my mind on it since in the past year, but I think more, you know, biblically speaking, what the focus is and what the core of it is, but I still have the same idea of what the whole thing is, if that makes sense, but you'll hear uh, as we go along. I have been super tired. <laughs> the temperatures this summer in, in August have been close to 110 for a couple of weeks straight, it was 105, 106, 107, 110. Um, and then we had a break a week where it was in the 90s. And then this past week, it was back up to 105, 106, 107. And even though Texas is always hot, it's rarely this hot, especially for that long of a stretch. And so I am just, you know... Little by little, going through uh, <laughs> life, and I'm thankful that it looks like it's going to be in the 90s, and even the highs are going to be in the 80s later this week. So I think it'll get better from here, but uh, I'm just always tired. I'm sitting here on a su Sunday afternoon. Um, I only did one job today, and that was the last one I had uh, for the week. Um, you know, like on a normal day, if I did 10, I do pools for a living. If you hadn't heard that before, I think I mentioned that in my first one of my first episodes. Um, I usually I can do 10 plus in a day. But when it's this hot, I'm just dragging in the afternoon. And some days I only get like six or seven done. So <clears throat> I worked all day Saturday and then um, had one left that I had to do today. So just, uh, yeah, I'm sure that there's some of you out there that work outside and maybe some of you that live in a hot climate and understand what I'm talking about. So I haven't been keeping too much up with the news lately <laughs> because of this. I have heard about the fires in, in Maui. And my prayers go out to them. Um, I haven't in, like listened to the news or anything, so I don't know what caused it. But I, I am aware that there is like some political divide about it and all that stuff. So forgive me, I'm just not in the loop right now. Um, and I know Trump uh, turned himself in, as, as well as several other Republicans. Here's my deal on that. So... On the one hand, I'm never, I've never been a Trump supporter. On the other hand, um, it's like somehow they're making it illegal to protest uh, something. And people will say, well, it's false. Well, since when, you know, does it have to be true? You know, I supported things. I supported protests, peaceful protests that I didn't necessarily agree with in the past. Um, I always do, and I always am against violence. So whether it's Black Lives Matter or January 6th, I support the peaceful protesters. Uh, I think as Americans, we have the right, whether you're right or wrong on an issue, you have the right to uh, you know, freedom of speech, to uh, speak your mind when you get into the idea of well it's false 
then they can decide what religions are false. And then people can get arrested for their freedom of religion because the authorities decided that it was false. <laughs> see, see the problem here? So if somebody is speaking out on their freedom of speech and things that they believe, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not uh, something that they should get arrested for. And, um, you know, what I really think is happening, and I think I've said this in previous episodes, is that Trump is being made the martyr and he will come back as a hero uh, because Biden is doing so bad. Now, here, here, let me say this about Biden. Obviously, he's not doing a good job, but here, here's the thing. People will blame him. I've heard people on Fox News and conservatives say that the economy is doing so bad, it was so much better under Trump. But we have to realize that the bailouts, the trillions of dollars of bailouts that are being given out like it's nothing, um, is causing inflation. And the first one that was signed was by Trump. And I remember saying this back in 2020 uh, on Facebook, and I may have said it on this podcast, that um, signing a $2.2 trillion bailout is going to cause inflation. You're putting all that money into the economy um, for free, basically. And it's not really free because we're, you know, this is old news when it comes to truth the truth movement the federal reserve act and all that stuff that's like mainstream conspiracy that's not even you know getting into the deep stuff of uh the illuminati and luciferianism and all that stuff you know that's like the basic part of it um <clears throat> and so what you have is them you know it's becoming more and more acceptable to print up so much money. I remember back in 08, 09, there were two bailouts and they were in the billions, <laughs> which is still a lot of money. But, uh, you know, there were two bailouts, one that was supported by Republicans and Democrats opposed it. The other one was supported by Democrats and Republicans opposed it. And, uh, that seems to be the way it goes. Um, but regardless, I think both sides are wrong if they support it, no matter who supports it. So, and it all was because of a bad policy of lockdowns, you know. Um, I am not a health care expert. I'm not a health expert. Uh, you know, when it came to the, to the virus, I was very skeptical of the hype. And I still am. I, I still don't know what happened in during the pandemic because I don't know anybody that died. I know a lot of people that uh, got sick and recovered, but I don't know anybody personally that died of COVID. Now, I have friends that tell me that they know people that died of COVID. Um, and, of course, the numbers say a lot, but they don't really tell you what other conditions or whatever else and so I'm very skeptical of that the lockdowns I don't think were necessary although who knows like I'm, I'm willing to admit that we don't know what would have happened if there were, were no lockdowns maybe it would have been really bad I don't know uh, all I can say is I was in a state Texas where we were locked down for two months and then we opened up um I was with friends without masks and unvaccinated friends and myself as well. We would hang out, no masks, sharing handheld foods, you know, uh, and nobody died. And so all I can say is that's my experience. Now, I've heard rumors about people dying of the vaccine. I also don't know anybody died of the vaccine. Um but again, I don't know everything. So, but why did I get back into that? Well, like I said, I think these this current economic crisis 
is being caused by the bailouts and several other things. I think Biden has expanded it, has made it worse, but Trump started it. And um, more of that left, false left-right paradigm that people fall into. And um, anyway, as far as the Maui thing, I think there's questions, you know, political questions of the environmental stuff. I don't know what else. Um, but anyway, I'm, I've also heard about in California, they have voted that if a parent, um, let, like let's say at a school, if, if a child wants to have a sex change and the parent says no, the parent can get arrested. Which I remember seeing the, the movie um, uh, What is a Woman uh, last year and it's already illegal in Canada for a parent to neglect their child from or for prohibit their child from getting uh, uh, hormone blockers or a sex change. So things are getting really bad but of course a lot of these things you know I've talked about the um, sound of freedom in a previous episode what is a woman um, the, how bad the economy is doing and a lot of them are uh, pro-Trump these documentaries and things that are coming out and they're saying see it's this is how bad it is because the left is in charge or the establishment Republicans so you better vote for Trump and uh, that's something we need to be weary of as well so anyway um, starting with this topic today on Mystery Babylon, the woman that rides the beast. We're going to start with Scripture. Starting in Revelation 17, I'm just going to read for a while. Then one of these seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality, and with the wine of whose sexual immorality the dwellers on earth have been drunk. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names, and it had seven heads and ten horns. So we talked about this beast before. So this woman rides this beast which is the final uh, kingdom or confederacy of kingdoms it looks like um, that that uh, that takes over the whole earth the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls holding in her hand uh, a golden cup of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality and on her forehead was written a name of mystery Babylon the great mother of prostitutes and of earth's abominations and I saw the woman drunk with blood of the saints the blood of the martyrs of Jesus when I saw her I marveled greatly but the angel said to me why do you marvel I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast with seven heads and ten horns that carries her. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction. And the dwellers on earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will marvel to see the beast because it was and is not and is to come. This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. They are also seven kings, five of whom, whom have fallen. One is, the other has not yet come. And when he does come, he must remain only a little while. As for the beast that was, was and is not, it is the, an eighth, but it also belongs to the seven and it goes to destruction. 
And the ten horns that you saw. Now let me uh, stop here real quick. I think a lot of this we won't know until it happens. So I could speculate. Um, there are theories on what these seven heads are and what the kings are that they represent. I assume that the five that had fallen were at the time of John. And then one that is was at the time of John. And then one that would come for a short time was after the time of John. John wrote Revelation. So that's my assumption. Um, but who knows? It might mean something else that we don't know yet. So I, I really don't have any uh, wisdom on this specifically. So I'm not going to speculate on those. But And the ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received royal power, but they are to receive authority as kings for one hour, together with the beast. These are of one mind, and they hand over their power and authority to the beast. They will make war on the lamb, and the lamb will conquer them, for he is Lord of lords and king of kings, and those with him are called and chosen and faithful. I've talked about these ten horns before, and my theory is, my I'm leaning towards the idea, because the United Nations has plotted out ten global regions, and uh, I believe that these regions will be where the kings rule. Uh, or govern those areas and they will unite and uh, give their power to the beast because they're part of that. Anyway, um, and the angel said to me, the waters that you saw where the prostitute is seated are peoples and multitudes and nations and languages. And so that is something um, it explains right here, the waters. So this woman is sitting on many waters. Uh which is a multitude of nations and languages. And the ten horns that you saw, they are the beast, will hate the prostitute. Uh, they will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh and burn her up with fire. So whatever this woman is will be hated by the beast. That's interesting. That was something I didn't realize until the last couple of years. It just suddenly stuck out to me when I was reading this. Um, and one of the things that I have seen going on, because, um, yeah, I'll pause and, and talk about this for a second, because I, I, I may have mentioned it in a past episode, but my belief was that the Illuminati is Mystery Babylon, the woman that rides the beast, the conglomerate of mystery schools. And I still believe this uh, to a degree, but you have to realize as we get, um, I guess what a lot of these current day secret societies are based on is what I believe it is. And, uh, but I wanted to bring this up and I'll get into that more detail later, but I wanted to talk about this, the beast turning against the prostitute. Um, something we have to be careful of, um, a lot of truthers are Trump supporters because he is exposing the deep state, so to speak. And they think because of that, he's a hero. But be careful because I think that whoever this woman that rides a beast is, which is an evil entity, this prostitute, this whore of a system, is going to be exposed, as it states here, um, the ten horns that you saw, they are the beast. They will hate the prostitute. They will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh and burn her up with fire. So it'll actually be the beast system or the final the uh, antichrist or whatever that will expose and destroy this prostitute system whatever that is this woman that rides the beast aka mystery babylon and then i think a lot of people will think heroically of this beast at that point because of that but you have to be careful you have to realize that's part of the deception 
And then it says, For God has put it into their hearts to carry out his purpose by being of one mind and handing over their royal power to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman that you saw is the great city that has dominion over the kings of the earth. After this I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory, and he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Now, some of these phrases you have to remember because we're going to see some other passages that might point to who it is. The wine of her, the passion of her sexual immorality and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. So remember that the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. So. We have this idea of this this woman that helps make all the nations rich. It's not the beast. It's something separate. And um, and so, you know, um, I'm still convinced that the mystery religion of ancient Babylon is this woman that rides the beast. However, biblically, we're going to see something that is a part of this. Uh, mystery religion system and some suggest is the foundation of it and it's in the book of Ezekiel we're going to look and I think the Bible tells us exactly who this woman that rides the beast is Ezekiel chapter 16 again the word of the Lord came to me son of man Make known to Jerusalem her abominations, and say, Thus says the Lord God of Jerusalem, Your origin and your birth are of the land of the Canaanites. Your father was an Amorite, and your mother a Hittite. Now let me pause here. I believe that is talking spiritually and not physically, obviously, because they were not physically the offspring of these, but spiritually. So it's saying that that Jerusalem had um, gone apostate and spiritually is the, you know, offspring of the Canaanites, not physically. And as for your birth, on the day you were born, your cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water to cleanse you, nor rubbed with salt, nor wrapped in swaddling clothes, no eye pitied you to do any of these things to you out of compassion for you, but you were cast out on the open field, for you were abhorred on the day that you were born. And when I passed by you and I, you, sorry, and when I passed by you and saw you wallowing in your blood, I said to you in your, in your blood, live. I said to you in your blood, live. I made you flesh, or sorry, I made you flourish like a plant of the field, and you grew up and became tall and arrived at full adornment. Your breasts were formed and your hair had grown, yet you were naked and bare. Interesting, because it talks about the woman becoming naked and bare uh, that rides the beast. When I passed by you again and saw, behold, you were at the age of, for love, and I spread the corner of, of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. I guess this is about redemption. I made my vow to you and entered into a covenant with you, declares the Lord God, and you became mine. Then I bathed you with water and washed off your blood from you and anointed you with oil. I clothed you also with embroidered cloth and shod you with fine leather. I wrapped you in fine linen and covered you with silk, and I adorned you with ointments 
and put bracelets on your wrists and a chain on your neck. And I put a ring on your nose and earrings in your ears. Uh, I'm trying to find the part that really... um, Sometimes I get frustrated with Google because it sends me to... um, a passage and this is a really long chapter okay here we go I'm gonna skip ahead here to verse 23 and after all your wickedness woe woe to you declares the Lord you built yourself a vaulted chamber and made yourself a lofty place in every square at the head of every street you built your lofty place and made your beauty an abomination Offering yourself to any passerby and multiplying your whoring. So he's talking about the people, you know, the people of the children of Israel. (laughs) You also played the whore with the Egyptians, your lustful neighbors, multiplying your whoring to provoke me to anger. Behold, therefore, I stretched out my hand against you and diminished your allotted portion and delivered you to greed of your enemies. The daughters of the Philistines who were ashamed of your lewd behavior, you played the whore also with the Assyrians because you were not satisfied. Yes, you played the whore with them and still you were not satisfied. You multiplied your whoring also with the trading land of Chaldea And even with this, you were not satisfied. And this isn't the only place. Uh, Ezekiel mentions it several times. Jeremiah, I believe, also talks about Jerusalem as a prostitute or a whore going whoring. And um, I found this quite interesting. And we're going to get... uh, deeper into this of course as I've stated but this really hit me when I saw it and it you know as I stated before so the the mystery Babylon series by Bill Cooper and I did some commentary on that in previous episodes and let me quickly say that I will likely go back and redo those because the quality of Some of my early episodes, I had bad um, equipment and a lot of like glitches and stuff. And I would really like to do some of those again at some point. Um, Maybe when I run out of (laughs) ideas, at least uh, that I think are important to get to. Um, But he describes all these mystery religions, the mystery schools, uh, the Illuminati, Freemasonry, the Skull and Bones, the Rosicrucians. Um, the, uh, the golden dawn, the order of the quest, the brotherhood of the snake, many, many others. He never mentions Kabbalah though, although he does mention it in some of his episodes, uh, briefly. And I, I've read about one of the things Bill Cooper talked about was, um, the book uh, by Manly P. Hall, The Secret Teachings of All Ages. And Manly P. Hall definitely talks a lot about Kabbalah. And uh, I've done an episode, I believe, on here on Kabbalah when I was going through a series of apostasies. And it got me thinking because you think about some of the the secret societies are like the Jesuits, the Rosicrucians, even the Freemasons to a degree all tend to claim Christianity, although Freemasonry is very interreligious. But the Jesuits are Catholic and the Rosicrucians are Protestant, uh, or at least that's what they claim to be. In reality, they're all Luciferians. But we're going to see how all of these were inspired by Kabbalah in their own words. And, um, and this got me, you know, 
you know, I, I was just blown away when I read these passages and I started thinking about it. Now, I do think that if a harlot is a spiritual term for a, like, or an adulterous woman is a, you know, a, is apostasy, you know, apostate religion and a virgin as Revelation 12 talks about a virgin woman that the dragon or Satan tries to attack would be God's people, those who are not um, apostate, but they're truly following him, right? Something like that. And um, the mother of harlots, since Israel was the first, at least in the Bible, mentioned as uh, God's people first, um, I mean, it, the first ones that were called out to be his before the church was, it makes sense that, that uh, quote-unquote Christian organizations that are doing the same thing would also be harlots. The Jesuits, the Rosicrucians, the, you know, the Freemasons, etc. These are also harlots. But the mother of harlots, and that's what we're looking at here. Um, and uh, so I find this all interesting. Here's another passage in Ezekiel that, that uh, caught my attention uh, in the past year. Ezekiel chapter 8, and I'm going to start in verse 8. He said to me, Son of man, lift up your eyes now toward the north. So I lifted up my eyes toward the north. And behold, north of the altar gate of the entrance was the image of jealousy. And he said to me, Son of man, do you see what they are doing? The great abominations that the house of Israel are committing here to drive me far from my sanctuary? But you will see still greater abominations. And he brought me to the entrance of the court. And when I looked, did I say verse 8? That was actually verse 5. Sorry, my eyes are blurry. So now I'm in verse 7. And he brought me to the entrance of the court. And when I looked, behold, there was a hole in the wall. Then he said to me, Son of man, dig in the wall. So I dug in the wall, and behold, there was an entrance. And he said to me, Go in and see the vile abominations that they are committing here. Seems to me it's something that's hidden, something underground, which is what secret societies do, right? So I went in and saw, and there engraved on the wall all around was every form of creeping things and loathsome beasts and all the idols of the house of Israel. Which is strange because when you think of the, you know, Orthodox Jews today, uh, and there's different sects of Judaism, but it seems like they would be opposed to idolatry, right? So what is going on here? Creeping things and loathsome beasts and all the idols of the house of Israel, and before them stood 70 men of the elders of the house of Israel with Jezaniah, the son of Shaphan, standing among them. Each had his censer in his hand, and the smoke of the cloud of incense went up. Then he said to me, Son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel are doing in the dark? Each in the room of pictures. I'm not sure what that is. Um, that might be something that's in Leviticus, like it but uh, again, I'm, I don't know right offhand. For they say, the Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. He said also to me, you will still see, sorry, you will still see greater abominations than they, that they commit. Now let me pause here quickly. I just Googled what is the room of pictures in Ezekiel. This is what I found, and I, you know, this is just a commentary. Um, what is this? Biblical hermeneutics. I don't know if this is right or wrong, but let's see what this says. Uh, in the dark, each of his room of pictures conveys to myself the secret place of their own 
imaginations, thinking they are unobserved by the Lord, where they idolatrously worship other than whom and what he is. But this is an interpretation which I cannot prove from the text, hence a comment, not an answer. So he doesn't know either. Um, anyway, so back to Ezekiel here. Then he said to me, Son of man, have you seen what the elders are doing uh, in the dark, each in his room of pictures? For they say to the Lord, okay, I already read that, you will still see greater abominations that they commit. Then he brought me to the entrance of the north gate of the house of the Lord. There sat women weeping for Tammuz. Then he said to me, Have you seen this, O son of man? You will still see greater abominations than these. And he brought me to into the inner court of the house of the Lord. And behold, this is the part that I was getting to here. Uh, at the entrance of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar were about 25 men with their backs to the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east, worshiping the sun toward the east. Then he said to me, Have you seen this, O son of man? Is it too light a thing for the house of Judah to commit the abominations that they commit here, that they should fill the land with violence? and provoke me still further to anger. This blew me away, especially the part about the 25 men standing in the, uh, at the, the entrance of the temple or the altar, facing the east, worshiping the sun. If you remember the Mystery Babylon series, one of the things that was stated um, is that they they believe that the sun represents illumination or the illumined man or Lucifer. But a lot of them don't believe Lucifer is a real being. They just believe it represents illumination. So this really <laughs> freaked me out when I saw it. And then I, I had already been aware of Kabbalah. And so it makes me wonder this thing known as Kabbalah, is it this, what this is talking about? Very interesting. Real quickly, uh, before we continue, I'm going to play a couple of short songs by Half-Handed Cloud. First one is called Clothe Yourself Within Us, and the second one is called You Call Yourself Our Shepherd Reprise. So I guess it's not the original song, but... Um, yeah, so hope you enjoy Half-Handed Cloud. One, two, ready, go. Oh 
Once again, that is Half-Handed Cloud, so I hope you, if you enjoy that, check them out. Okay, this uh, episode is mostly Bible reading. Next episode, we'll get more into some, some more evidence of Judaism and Kabbalah um, as this woman that rides the beast, or at least the mother of the harlots, so to speak. Um, but in this um, episode, we're more talking about scripture. Now, I found this one quite interesting. Um, starting in Mark chapter 11, verse 27. And Jesus is giving a lot of parables in this, in this book here. But I'm going to start here. Uh, verse 27. <coughs> and they came again to Jerusalem. And he was talking in the temple. The chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him, to Jesus. And they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Uh, answer me and they discussed it with one another saying if if we say from heaven he will say why then did you not believe him but shall we say from man they were afraid of the people for they all held that John really was a prophet so they answered Jesus we do not know and Jesus said to them neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things you know they these pro Scribes and Pharisees remind me of modern-day politicians. <laughs> when they're trapped with a question, they have a way of not answering, right? Verse uh, Chapter 12, And he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a pit for the wine press and built a tower and leased it to the tenants. And went into another country. When the season came, he sent a servant to the tenants to get from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent to them another servant. And they struck, him again on, they struck him on the head and treated him shamefully. And he sent another, and him they killed. And so with many others, some they say, or some they beat, and some they killed. He had still one another, a beloved son. Finally, he sent him to them, saying, They will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. And they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyards to others, the vineyard to others. Have you not read the scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief, the, I mean, the, the, the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And they were seeking to arrest him, but feared the people, for they perceived that he took that he told that he had told the parable against them so they left him and went away now i remember thinking about this a few years ago because if you know the symbolism in freemasonry for example um now a lot of times i mean the chief cornerstone can be the the bottom left you know corner or it can be uh like a cheap capstone on a pyramid um, which is a symbol in the Illuminati. And it got me wondering, like, these Pharisees perceived, and, and the Sadducees and the chief priests uh, perceived that he was talking about them. And uh, I just found that quite interesting, um, that this, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. 
you know. Um, if you think about the symbol of the pyramid in the mystery schools, and the top is usually an eye, the eye of Lucifer, and of course these Luciferians reject Christ. And when you think about it, Lucifer or Satan will be, his throne will be taken away when Christ returns. And this, the, the cornerstone that is Jesus, which was rejected by the builders. And I was thinking Freemasons, but, you know, or whatever the, you know, the, all these secret societies that use the symbolism, they rejected Jesus, but then he becomes the chief cornerstone. And it's interesting that the Pharisees and Sadducees looked at this and thought, oh, he's talking about us. Anyway, I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking that, but I have this, this idea that, um, you know, the Pharisees and Sadducees and, and back at the time of Christ were already into this Kabbalah thing. Uh, you know, they claim, if you ask modern day Kabbalists, they claim it goes all the way back to when they were, in fact, some of them would say it goes all the way back to Moses, but, um, others might claim that it goes back to when they were in captivity in Babylon and they started to um, adopt some of the Babylonian religions. And you remember the passage where it called them the daughters of the Canaanites, um, you know, so the Israelites were adopting the spiritual, uh, you know, the spiritual side of, of these pagan nations. And so I thought that was interesting. I, you know, um, now let me, let me just say this real quick. Um, and I'll probably have to repeat it a couple times. I'm not anti-Semitic. Obviously the first when it talks about Jerusalem being a harlot, obviously not every person in Israel was a harlot, like part of this system. You know, you had prophets, and you know, Ezekiel himself was a ch children from the children of Israel, and um, but he was talking about the nation as a whole or the leadership, the establishment. Um, and at the time of Christ, the Pharisees and Sadducees represented the establishment of Judea. And so he was obviously talking about them, not necessarily uh, the individual people from Israel, because many of the first Christians were from Judea. So um, I'm sure my listeners are smart enough to, to get that, but um, you know, so I, I just wanted to point that out. Now, this is going to be a shorter podcast or episode. Um, I'm going to close with this passage here in Revelation chapter two, starting in verse eight and the angel. So he's talking about the different churches, the seven churches. Um, and then there's this one here, the, and to the angel of the church of Smyrna, write the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into, uh, sorry, into prison that you may be tested and for the 10 days. Um, yeah, so that's talking about them being persecuted by the synagogue of Satan. But I think there's another one that it says is the synagogue of Satan. Uh, if I can find it here. But regardless, that's the main point. I'm not going to get every verse in the Bible that talks about the apostasy of Israel. But um, but it talks about this this the, those that say they are Jews and are but are not but they're of the synagogue of Satan. Now Kabbalah is a Luciferian, satanic 
uh, system. It's a Gnostic heresy, which turns the Bible upside down using esoteric means. And so I definitely think that is a synagogue of Satan. So is Freemasonry and Rosicrucians and the Jesuits and many other secrets, you know, mystery school cult groups. And um, yeah, so I, I find... All of this interesting from uh, scripture. And in the next episode, we're going to actually hear some other people talk about Kabbalah and its influence on modern day mystery schools. Thank you all and have a wonderful day. This is the most awesome podcast of all time. I'm your host, Rob Hendrick. This podcast is brought to you by Proverbs 16, 18. Rob, go for instructions.